In 2006, James Kim and his family traveled over Thanksgiving from their home in San Francisco up into the Pacific Northwest. And as they were on their way back home, uh, and they were passing through Oregon, and they got, they made a wrong turn. They got lost on these back logging roads. And as the snow started to come, they got deeper and deeper into this logging road and got stuck. They used their car for heat as long as they had gas, and then that ran out. They burned their tires for heat. And after about six days, it was clear uh, they were losing uh, options. James, out of his deep connection and love for his family, doing what a father would and should do, had a desire to provide safety and, and shelter for his family, to protect them, to deliver them. And so he left. He left his family there. All he had was a, a sweater uh, to keep him warm and tennis shoes. And he began to hike out to try to find help. He traveled over 20 miles trying to get out of this uh, forest that they had found themselves in, five miles of which he crawled and trekked his way through a deep ravine. And he did not make it. Rescuers would come several days later, saving his wife and his children. But James Kim was unable to live to protect and to provide for his family. He was not an everlasting father. The rescuers, where they found his body, they said it took all of their training to get through what James Kim traveled through without any training at all. Because the love of this father drove him to do what they described as superhuman things to provide for and to protect his family. But ultimately, he was unable to do it. Remember, we have been looking in the, the book of Isaiah as Isaiah announces to a people who were longing for one who would provide for them and to protect them, a coming king. Remember back as we were looking through the books of First and Second Samuel, the people longed for a king who would have a connection with them, that would be in their midst, that would provide for them, that would protect and fight their battles for them. They longed to be like the other nations. God gave them what they wanted, Remember, we saw Saul was a disappointment. He failed to live up to that, but God brought one of his own choosing, and God gave these promises that one would ultimately come to Dave, from David's line that would fulfill all the hopes and longings and needs of the people. And Isaiah is proclaiming to this people who are still longing and who have been experienced many kings, some who did care for them and had a connection with them, but others that did not. They had kings that provided for them 
and others that did not. They had kings that protected them and others that did not. But even the greatest ones did not last. They died. Yet here in Isaiah chapter 9, we hear this announcement of the king who is coming from the line of David. Beginning in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's important as we hear this title, this name that's given of this coming one by Isaiah, that he's an ever, to be called Everlasting Father, we don't confuse this with our, uh, our understandings of, uh, of the Trinity, as we've talked in the, about in, at other times. Uh, in the, the New Testament, uh, we understand more fully that our one living and true God exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We understand that we keep those persons distinct. God the Father is not God the Son or God the Spirit. God the Son is not God the Father or God the Spirit. And God the Spirit is not God the Father or God the Son. But Isaiah is not talking about that here. Remember, Jesus is God the Son. But here, why would Jesus be described and giving the name Everlasting Father? Well, some kings in that region would have been known and described themselves and the relationship that they had with their people was one of a father. And here, there's something about the character of Jesus, the coming king, that he is described, unlike the kings who came before him, as one who will be the everlasting father, who will perfectly exhibit the characteristics of a father, one who has a deep, deep, abiding connection to his people, one who seeks to provide for his people and one who seeks to protect his people. We're going to look in John chapter 10 this morning, uh, where Jesus is describing and talking about himself as a shepherd. But the qualities of the Father, of connection, of provision, of protection, will be demonstrated and shown to us as we understand this aspect of the character of Jesus as our everlasting Father. So if you would, turn with me there in John chapter 10. If you're following along in one of the Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 896. We're going to be looking uh, primarily at verses 1 through 18 this morning. So if you would, follow along with me there in your copy of God's Word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. We pray this morning that as Your sheep, we would hear the voice of our shepherd. May we understand and know truth. May we follow and love and hope and cling to Him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what we want to do, we want to look here as Jesus describes himself as this good shepherd to see exhibited the character qualities of the everlasting father. Kids, if you're following along and keeping track of, uh, of words in your notes this morning, you can listen for connection, provision, and protection. Connection, provision, and protection. First, Let's see how Jesus, as the everlasting Father, exhibits and shows us the deep connection that He has with His people. Look there in verses 1-5. through Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Here, there's a a contrast between Jesus, the good and true shepherd, And these thieves, notice the emphasis here is on the connection that Jesus has with his sheep. He knows them and he is known by them. When he comes to the the fold, the sheep fold, where the sheep would have been kept overnight, thieves in order to get in and have to sneak in because they're not known either by the sheep or by the gatekeeper. But the gatekeeper has knowledge of the shepherd because he comes regularly and frequently with his sheep. 
And it's evident that when he comes in, how much not only does the shepherd recognize his sheep, notice what it says here. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He knows which one are his. He doesn't have to sit there and wonder if he's forgotten one. But he so has such a connection with them that he knows each of these sheep. Do you notice the emphasis in the language here of how much these sheep are connected to Jesus? They are his his own. He calls them by name. His own sheep. He leads them out. When he has brought out his own, they go before him, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Also, we see here that the sheep know Jesus. They recognize him. That connection extends. They don't know the stranger, but they know the voice of Jesus. They know the voice of their shepherd. When one that they don't know comes in and speaks their name, they don't follow him because they don't recognize him. There's no connection. There's no relationship. That experience of love is not there. They do not follow strangers, but they do follow the one that they know. They follow the one that loves them, is connected to them. Jesus is not a stranger to his sheep. And his sheep are not a stranger to him. Think about how important and significant this is. To think about the difference between knowing about someone and knowing them. Think about our leaders in our country, for instance. Our president, Joe Biden. He knows about the people in the United States. He knows there are citizens, members of this country, that I'm the leader over. But Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on here in North Carolina or in Elizabeth City. He doesn't know what's happened in my house this week. He doesn't know my name. Is that understandable? Yeah, it's understandable. We don't expect that. Let's go a little smaller. Roy Cooper. Our governor. Hopefully he would know what's going on in North Carolina. He might not know that we had a fire in Camden last week and someone lost their life. But he knows other things that are going on. But he as well does not know my name. Is that understandable that he would not know everything that's going on? It is. What about our mayor? I knew the last two mayors. I don't know the current mayor. Hopefully, our mayor, though, is familiar with what is going on in our community and is beginning to learn and recognize and know people that he's the leader over. But it would be understandable if he does not know everyone and does not know what's going on in their lives. But think about this. What about a father? What about a father who said, you know what? I have some kids. They're scattered all across the country, but I don't even really know all their names. Is that excusable? Is that understandable? No. It's not. You see, a good father, one that exemplifies perfectly 
would be one that knows his children. He knows their name. He has a connection with them. He understands what's going on in their lives. But get this. Jesus isn't just the ruler over a city or a state or a country. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is king and ruler over all things. But guess what? As the perfect Father, He knows you. He knows you by name. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows your joys. Do you right now feel unknown? Do you feel alone? Do you feel neglected? Maybe it's by your own parents, your own mother, your father. Maybe you're getting a sense and a feeling and you're wondering, does anybody care what's going on in my life and in my heart? Do they know me? Because I feel so isolated and ignored and forgotten, like I'm a nobody. But what the good news of the gospel says is that our God took on flesh and entered into our world. And Jesus exemplifies and perfectly fulfills the character of an everlasting Father who has this deep, everlasting, abiding connection to His people. And He knows you. And He loves you. Are you listening to Him? Do you know Him? He loves and cares for you, His people. May we take comfort in Jesus, our everlasting Father. But He doesn't just have a connection with His people. He also seeks to provide for them. We see also in this passage the provision of the Father. Jesus fulfilling that as the everlasting Father. Notice in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That's what sheep need, right? Pasture. They need grass. They need water. That's the provision they need to survive and live out their lives as sheep. Notice the, again the contrast between Jesus, the provider, and the thieves. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But listen to what Jesus says He does for His sheep. As the Good Shepherd, or in Isaiah's language, the Everlasting Father, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you see what Jesus is seeking to do for His people? What He offers and what He provides? He gives His sheep, He gives His people exactly what they need. It doesn't always seem like that, though, does it? This is evident in our house. 
try to be a good father and give my kids good things to eat. Like vegetables. We all need vegetables, vitamins, nutrition. But sometimes a good, tasty plate of vegetables is met with tears. Because you know what looks and seems to be such superior provision? Is that plate of Christmas cookies on the counter. Why aren't you giving me cookies? Cookies for breakfast. Cookies for lunch. Cookies for dinner. Cookies for snack. Cookies for dessert after I've eaten my meal of cookies. We question, we doubt the provision that our fathers want to give us. But Jesus gives us exactly what we need. We need to remember this because the thieves are speaking and communicating other things, bringing in doubts and questions. Do you really want to follow this shepherd? Do you really want to follow this father? Look at what he's given you. Look at the sheep through this fence. Can you believe he's put this fence around you? Why would he want to keep you in here? He doesn't care about you. He wants to limit your freedom. Look at those sheep out there. Look at what they get to eat and enjoy and do. He limits your freedom. He doesn't give you good things. He doesn't want your best. Follow me. Follow me and I will lead you to the abundant life. I will lead you to joy and satisfaction and free you up from this cruel shepherd and this mean, oppressive father. But listen to what Jesus tells us. You must recognize the character of all those who aren't the everlasting father, who aren't the good shepherd. Their intention and their design is to steal you and kill you and destroy you. We must remember that Jesus, our King, our shepherd, our father is the good one who provides for his people. In the words of the great philosopher and theologian Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometime, you just might find you get what you need. And what do we need as God's people? Jesus. We need Him. And He never fails to provide and give us just what we need. When the thief is giving, you will experience loss, destruction, and death. But when it's Jesus who is the giver, you will never have any lack. We must remember the character of our everlasting Father and the provision that He gives us as His people and remember who He is and what He gives us. Because we will be tempted to listen to other competing voices and those that would call into question the character of our everlasting Father. A couple of 
weeks ago, actually it's just been a few days, a story came out about Casper, the Great Pyrenees. It was about 10 o'clock and his owner heard Casper barking his head off. He's only 10 months old, so who knows what's going on out there, but he goes out and there are coyotes at the edge of the property, 11 of them. Casper's barking, trying to warn, protect the sheep and announce to the coyotes, you better stay away. The coyotes flee and run off. They're not for good. Around 2 o'clock, they all come back. This time, the owner runs out and sees the barking. Casper's going nuts. The coyotes are climbing over the fence and have entered into the sheep pen. But Casper, like a good shepherd, and the other sheep, the other great Pyrenees dog, have backed all of the sheep into the corner. And Casper has set himself between the coyotes and the sheep. And when the owner gets out there, the fight begins. And Casper seeks to lay his life down for the sheep. And he begins to take one coyote out after another. And when those coyotes see what Casper is doing, they get out of the sheep pen and try to run. But Casper says, oh no. And he continues the pursuit. When all's said and done, of the 11 coyotes, eight are dead. Three cannot be found. Casper has great wounds. And he survives. But so do every single one of the sheep. Because a good shepherd protects and lays his life down for his sheep. As does a father. Right? That's what James Kim did. That's what he attempted to do. What do we see Jesus say about himself as the everlasting father? Do we not see exhibited in this passage his protection of his people? Look in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice again the contrast. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. Listen to this. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus is different, remember. This deep connection and love that he has for his sheep is what drives not only his provision, but his protection of his people and over and over he says do you want to see the extent of my love and my care and how far I will go to protect you I will lay down my life over and over Jesus mentions this and emphasizes this of how he will protect his sheep I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own Accord. Jesus 
gave his life for the sheep. It wasn't taken from him. Jesus intentionally, out of great love for you, his people, laid down his life to protect you. As a perfect father would, Jesus did this for his people. But we would say, well, but James Kim did too. James Kim laid down his life, but he was unable to accomplish it. You're right. James Kim was not an everlasting father. What What about Jesus, though? Is he any different? Because we need to know if Jesus is different. Because the Scriptures tell us that the reason Jesus laid his life down isn't to protect us from literal wolves or snowstorms, but of our sin, the judgment we deserve due to our rebellion. Did Jesus laying down his life, did it accomplish the salvation and deliverance and redemption of his people? If he died, does his protection extend and accomplish and do what he intended? It does. What's the duration of this great work and protection of Jesus? Notice, he is the everlasting Father. His connection, his provision, his protection lasts forever. Look in verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the grave. Unlike James Kim, who could not live forever to be connected to his children, to provide for his children, to protect his children. Jesus can, Jesus did, and Jesus does. He is the everlasting Father, the provider, the protector of his sheep. He rose from the grave. Jesus continues to live, and he will live forever. Notice that the provision that Jesus gives also lasts forever. Skip down into verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Remember, Jesus is saying he's going to provide pasture. He's going to provide life and life abundantly. Listen to what it is. It's eternal life. Everlasting life. Why? Because it comes from the everlasting Father. If He is everlasting, then the provision that He provides for His people will be everlasting. What about the protection? I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand hand. The protection of Jesus is everlasting. No thief will steal you. No thief will kill you. No thief 
will be able to destroy you. The protection that your everlasting Father offers will last forever. You cannot lose the salvation and redemption that Jesus secures for you. Some of you struggle under that. You question and you wonder, will Jesus' love run out for me? My fathers did. Will Jesus' provision come to an end? What about his protection? Hear the good news of the gospel. Our God has taken on flesh. He's entered into our world and become one of us because of his deep love for us. He provides and gives us everything we need, himself. He protects us by suffering on our behalf to deliver us from all of our enemies, our sin, the world, the devil. And that provision and protection and love will last forever. Because Jesus, your King, is the everlasting Father. And all that He does for you will last forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the good news of the Gospel. Jesus, we thank You that You exhibit and show us the perfect character of a Father who loves provides, protects His children. We pray and ask that You would give us deep love and trust and rest in You as we await Your sure return. Amen.